This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello there, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead podcast number 230, recorded Monday, October the 12th, 2015. It's the go to the dentist episode. What does that mean? Two thirty, two thirty, two thirty. Wow, that's pretty good. How did you come up with that? Wow, well, at two thirty in the afternoon is the time to go to the dentist. So I figured I'd just put it all together. <laughs> that's funny. I've never heard that joke before. You've never heard that. Two thirty, tooth hurty. Yeah. Interesting. Good one, Jason. Thanks. You taught me a new joke. Uh, it's also Thanksgiving Monday here in Canada, so th- a happy Thanksgiving to you, sir, and all of the Canadians out there listening. Thank you. I heard on the radio today, there was, uh, I think it was one of the Canadian radio stations said, Happy Canadian Thanksgiving. Really? Like, holy shit, you had to qualify your own country's uh, holiday by saying that it's Canadian Thanksgiving. That makes me a little bit sad. It made me a little bit sad and just a tiny bit angry. Yeah, just a little bit angry. I mean, it, that kind of implies that... American Thanksgiving is is taking over, which I don't feel that way at all. I feel like we are very happy and proud of our Canadian Thanksgiving. And to be honest, Thanksgiving in October makes way more sense than November. I'm sorry, Americans. Well, there's a lot more time between now and Christmas. Exactly. There's no rush. Yeah. I feel like Thanksgiving in November, it's like too close to Christmas. You need it now so that there's a little break. I know Halloween's coming up in a few weeks, but Halloween's not even a holiday, so it doesn't count. Right. Anyways, uh... That's Happy Canadian Thanksgiving, Chris. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm all angry. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's uh, that's the holiday for today. So we had the day off work, which means, you know, we both got to watch The Walking Dead season six premiere like five times today, which I'm sure you did, right? A grand total of once. Oh, good. So you didn't get up in the morning and be like, oh, I don't got to go to work. I'm going to sit on my ass and watch TV all day. Well, I did that, but I didn't watch The Walking Dead all day. Okay. Well, good for you then. Um, I watched it twice. And we are, we are going to recap it, of course, uh, in, in a minute. But there's one other thing I want to just talk about really quickly before we get into the show here. And that is something that um, friend of the show, Carl, sent in uh, to me by email earlier this week. You remember him, right? He's the first mm-hmm. guy to ever email us when we started this podcast. Good times. And that's why he's friend of the show, because he was on the ball. <laughs> he sent us in a note, like, on day one. Something to be said about being first. Yeah, exactly. So he sent me a note today to tell me about a short film that he's making. Mm-hmm. It is a zombie-related short film, and he's running an Indiegogo campaign to generate a little bit of fund funding to, you know, help put, help him create this film. And he's almost there, actually. I think they're, like, 80% funded. So... I told him I'd be happy to just mention it here on the air. And if anyone was interested or they, they heard about it, wanted to go and push them over the top and, and, you know, support the film, they could do that. So you can do so by going to Indiegogo.com. And I think the easiest way to find it is search for the word still. That's the title, title of the movie. And I think it should be the first result that comes up. The full title there on Indiegogo is still a five-minute dark zombie comedy. So I thought it might be cool. I went, I uh, pledged a little bit, and it sounds really neat. Here's the description that I guess Carl wrote. 
It's still is a five-minute dark zombie comedy about a living statue entertainer caught up in the middle of a zombie outbreak. He finds himself frozen in fear while everyone around him flees or dies at the hands of the attacking horde. Left alone and surrounded on all sides by zombies, our hero has to rely on his ability to stand very, very still to work out how to survive. Cool. Yeah, so that sounds really cool. Eh? It's just going to be a short movie, and you know, it sounds it sounds fun. And I thought it might be something that the listeners were interested in. Standing other- very, very still is a very difficult thing to do. But this guy's a pro at it, yeah. so you think he has that part of it down. But then, when there's a crowd of zombies around you, it might be a little trickier. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Well, because you're afraid your your heart is 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 pumping, your adrenaline's going, and you you get the shakes, and you got the wanna runs. And that's uh, it's a difficult thing to combat. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's another thing here. He's got uh, he's got a guy named Stuart Conran or Conran involved, and this guy apparently is the makeup like he's a makeup and prosthetics and effects guy, and he's worked on all kinds of movies that you have seen and enjoyed, like Shaun of the Dead, Attack mm. the Block, The Woman in Black, The Descent, um, and and a whole bunch more. So. Um, that guy, this uh, Stuart Conran guy, definitely has some some pedigree here when it comes to effects and makeup and stuff like that. So um, that may help get people a little bit interested. Um, anyways, Indiegogo.com and search for Still if you want to check it out. I think it might be something fun, and I look forward to seeing it. Yeah, me too, actually. That sounds really good. All right. With that out of the way... Um, we've got a big 90-minute episode of The Walking Dead to recap here. Oh, so Season 6, Episode 1, Walking Dead is back. Let's just acknowledge that, first of <laughs> yeah, all. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we're not here to talk about Fear the Walking Dead anymore. That's now behind us. Um, and we're back to the main show. So let's get right into it. We don't have anyone to read the title, unfortunately, this week. So do you, do you want to give it a go, Jason? Uh, No. What's the title? (laughs) (laughs) I had a feeling you were going to ask me that. The title is First Time Again. First Time Again. Yeah, well, that makes perfect sense based on the content of the show. But uh, yeah, I I generally don't look at the title, which is weird. (laughs) Well, they don't, it's not like they put it on screen for you when the episode is starting. Well, I I get it from iTunes, right? So it's not like I really pay attention to it. It's just like click, 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 make TV show go now. Actually, the, the, (laughs) yeah, but the file is called, anyways, with the title of the show. So. (laughs) Anyhow, who, who learns how to read when you don't need to read? Right, I guess not you. First time again, um, and it is the season premiere for season six. Now, this is an interesting episode because of the structure of it and the way the story is told. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it jumps back and forth between two times. We see what's going on in one time, and we also see what's going on in another time. Yeah, and it occurred to me that there would be potentially two ways to recap this episode. Maybe I could, you know, go all the way through the one time frame, which is done in black and white. And at the end of that, then go all the way through the other time frame, which is done in color because the color one takes place after the black and white section. Right. Because all, you know, history is, is in black and white. I guess you know anything from watching, uh, you know, old footage from the thirties. It's in black and white, because yeah. so that, that's the way you know, <laughs> history was. That's right. There was no color back then. Right. Um, but I, I, So I thought about doing it like that, but then I thought, well, you know what? This isn't the way they chose to tell the story visually. So 
I'm not sure it would be fair to uh, recap it that way. You know, there's there's interplay between the the cutting back and forth from one time frame to another time frame mm. that you might lose if you told it sort of straightforward linear start to finish. Right. Okay. So I decided to just do it in the order that they uh, <clears throat> that they presented it on screen, and I hope it doesn't sort of end up being too confusing because of that. But uh, I guess if you could watch the episode and understand it, <laughs> hopefully you can follow the recap and still yeah. understand it. Yeah. Okay. And then I have one more question for you. Yeah, what's your question for me, Chris? Do we agree that the color sections of the episode are the present while the black and white are flashbacks? Like in what the What would past? be the alternative? That the, the black and white is the present and the color is the future? Is sort of like a flash forward almost is the future. No, I, I, I agree with the first premise. It's uh, the color is the present because uh, that becomes evident near the end. Mm-hmm. Right at the end, actually, and the uh, the black and white portions are a flashback. Even though the black and white portions pick up immediately following the close of season five, yes. So you, I, I just thinking you one could argue that that's sort of the, and the episode opens with that shot. So almost like that's where you're starting from, and what's happening in the future is sort of the future. Right. I, I just want to make well, sure some, someone could argue it, but they'd be wrong. Okay, well, I just want to make sure our terminology is correct. All right. <laughs> okay, so with that in mind, I'll probably refer to it as color and black and white. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Um, cold open. We start, and it's Rick's face, as I just said, immediately after he shot Pete. And that's in color, but it fades to black and white, which at first I was like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Why is it black and white? This is weird. Um, but they, they use it throughout the episode, of course. Um, and that's all we see until we cut over to a color section, which is the present. (laughs) Right. And the group, a whole big group of them, including Rick and Michonne and Morgan, they're standing over a huge quarry full of zombies, a big rock quarry. And Rick is speaking to the large group of people and he's organizing a plan or he's outlining a plan that I don't think, well, we definitely don't really fully understand yet. No. There's no. there's a lot that we don't know. What's this quarry? Where is it? Why is it full of zombies? And why are they there talking about doing something? What's happening and what's going on? Yeah, good point. <laughs> we don't understand any of the, either of those yeah. things yet. Yeah. Um, now, they're, they're standing there talking, and suddenly a tractor trailer on the other side of the quarry falls in, which was pretty cool, I thought. The ground gives way underneath it, and it just crashes down to the bottom. Yep. And this is this basically triggers the group, well, Rick and some of the group, that, to execute the plan right away. Mm-hmm. Instead of waiting, you know, and doing a dry run, which they were supposed to do. Um, but what I think what we can tell from this scene is they want to lead the walkers away somewhere. Right. Get them out of there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to, to, to mention that uh, there's an old, uh, I don't know if it's old, but there's a military saying where... Uh, uh, planning an action is a democracy, and the enemy gets a vote. So you can plan whatever you want, but uh, the zombies get to vote on the plan as well. Got it. That's right, because you because I guess the zombies and your enemy isn't always entirely predictable, so they might do something that that makes it important to execute the plan right away. Yeah. So yeah, the the uh, the tractor trailer fell, and they're like, yeah, well, we've got to go now. I don't care what the plan is. Yeah. It's time to execute. This is happening. Okay. Um, so Glenn is there, and we, we get little bits and pieces of things here. He says that he'll hit the tractor place, 
although we don't really know what that means yet. And Nicholas is there, and he says he wants to help. Glenn, Glenn initially says no, but then uh, he agrees only after telling Nick that you will do everything I say. Right. So Glenn, Glenn and Nicholas have this history, of course, of, of trying to kill each other. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> but, but they seem to be kind of working together here, although reluctantly. Right. Um, and they go with Heath, who is a new character, mm-hmm. uh, played by Corey Hawkins, if I remember the name right. Uh, but we don't know anything about Heath yet. Um, another new character that's there is Carter. He's played by Ethan Embry, mm-hmm. who you may remember from such films as uh, National Lampoon's Vegas Vacation. I do. Yeah, he was rusty. <laughs> Crust- he, rusty. Crusty Rusty? <laughs> Rust, not Crusty. Crusty is a different character on a different show, but mm-hmm. he, he was rusty. Yeah. Uh, but he's he's upset because he didn't want to do it at all because today was supposed to be a dry run and he's not he's just a big cranky pants so he's just contrary he's not comfortable he's not comfortable with the plan yet though right he wants to make sure he understands what to do and practice it whereas now the zombies just said hey guys you better do this now because we're coming out and he's like no i don't want to do anything this is a fluid situation get on board well that's true that's that's a very good point um so they shoot off some flares, and we get an amazing shot of a zombie squeezing between a couple of the transport truck trailers and basically tearing off all his flesh. That was so gross. It was super gross, but also super amazing, in my opinion. Oh, like, yeah, very much amazing. An amazing effect, and it just was like, oh, yeah, we're back. We got some zombies, <laughs> and they are going to fall apart in hunks of gore here. It's amazing. Yeah. So I really like that. And then we go to the opening credits. Now, this whole cold open struck me in a couple of ways. And I had, uh, as soon as it came on and you hear Rick's voice and he's talking and he's leading the group, I was just amazed at my sort of immediate reaction to these characters. You know, we haven't seen them in six months or whatever since season five ended. We've had a whole nother Walking Dead show to watch in that time. But this came on, even before you see Rick, you hear his voice over a black screen. I had an immediate connection to them. I felt like I understand, I understood their strengths and their flaws and everything about the characters. And it made me really happy that this show was back. I really enjoyed that feeling. Uh, you know what? I agree with you. I, uh, I really liked it. It was a, a sense of comfort that yeah. uh, that we didn't have with uh, Fear of the Walking Dead. I mean, Fear of the Walking Dead being a, you know a relatively good show, but it's just that we've had six seasons now of uh, of this this show, and it's just like ah, it's like putting on a uh, you know an old trusty sweater. Exactly. It's 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 something you just know that you love and you, you want to do it, and you and you're just happy that it's back, and you're happy that you're wearing that sweater again, and that may be because. You know, I never really had that feeling with Fear the Walking Dead, which is which is not a slight against it because it's a new show. Oh, you, no, give it give it six years and you'll be fine. You, exactly, it has to have time to to warm up to you like that. But boy, was it nice to to have the, this back on screen. And then other little things like when it's a pretty long shot of the zombies coming out between the transport trucks before we go to the opening credits credits. Yeah. And one of them takes one of Daryl's bolts through the head, and you don't see him fire it. You just hear the noise, the familiar noise, and the familiar bolt going through the zombie's head. And you're just like, oh, you know, I know exactly what that means. I don't have to be yeah. told. I'm just shown. There's Daryl. We're back. You know? That didn't, it did, that, it was nice to hear that and to see that, but uh, shooting that zombie in the head didn't make any sense whatsoever. 
It like if they're leading the herd out, like, uh, why would you shoot the first one through the gate? Like, why would you waste a bolt like that? I know, because he's not getting it back. And, yeah. uh, but, but that aside, they did it for us. They did it to be like, look, look, people, Daryl's here. Right. That's, <laughs> you know? That's probably true. And it, and I feel like it worked. So anyways, I was really happy and I felt really good about everything coming back. After the credits, we're in black and white. Well, so. well I just want to talk about the credits here. Did you notice that uh, Lenny James was in the credits? His name was there. That's true. So he's a regular now. He is. He is in the cast. He is all Walking Dead all the time. Lenny James is part of the uh, the regular cast, and I couldn't be happier. Absolutely agree. Um, it's nice. We're not going to see him like... <laughs> Uh, bounce in and out of an episode here or there or a post credit scene or anything. I mean, we kind of knew that since he showed up at Alexandria and we, you know. Well, he could get an also starring. I mean, there's lots of characters that, that show up on the also starring that are in the regular, uh, uh, you know, the regular roster. We have, uh, you know, Alana Masterson and uh, Josh McDermott. These are all, uh, you know, important characters to us, but they're in the also starring category. Right. right? Whereas Lenny James is now, you know, first billing. He's uh, he's the balls. <laughs> the cat's pajamas. <laughs> to quote Anchorman, which I watched the beginning of the other day. It was great. That's a great movie. Yeah. Well, Lenny James is the balls. And he is. He's got a lot of balls, and I'm glad he's on the show, too. So you're right. It's good that he's there. Did you notice anything else different about the opening credits? Because they do mix them up, or they do change them occasionally. They did. The imagery was different for the uh, when, when the names were coming up, right? Right. I didn't notice exactly what was different, but I did notice that, hey, that's different. Right. But yeah, I'd have to go back and compare it to the previous uh, year, but uh, I, I think it's fun that they mix it up a little bit every year. Yeah. Keeps you on your toes if you're paying oh, yeah. attention. <laughs> yeah, and if you're not sitting down. I guess so, yeah. Yeah. All right, so after we come away from opening credits, we are in black and white, so we're in a flashback, and it's right back again to the beginning or right after Rick had shot Pete. Deanna is there in a puddle of blood where Reg was, although his body's been taken away. Mm -hmm. And Gabe shows up, Father Gabe, and uh, she tells him that he was wrong. Yeah. Um, about Rick's group being evil. Although yeah, she doesn't. And he have... admits it. He's like, yep. You're yeah. Right. Yeah, you're right. She didn't have to say it. She just had to say, you were wrong. And everyone yeah. sort of knows what she's talking about. As long as, you know, uh, you know if you, this is the first episode you've ever watched, then you'd be like, what the hell? Well, sure. <laughs> but I, I would. I would say that that's probably a bad place to just jump in for your first episode. <laughs> if it is, then go back six years and get caught up. Yeah, that's probably your best bet. We cut over to Abraham. He's bringing bodies, uh, body bags to the Alexandria Cemetery. He, you know, flops one down on the ground. He kneels down, takes a swig of booze, and he pours some out on Reg's body bag. And all we really see is Reg's hand sticking out with his wedding ring on it. Yeah. Um... We see uh, a, she a scene of Jesse and her sons in their house mourning, and then her older son, Ron, gets up and leaves. Yep. And uh, no real dialogue there, but we sort of see them mourning the loss of their dad, I guess, even though he turned out to be a bit of a dick. Well, yeah. I mean, even though your dad's a dick, when your dick dad dies, it's disturbing. <laughs> Good alliteration there, my friend. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, no, it is. And they, they, you know, they're dealing with that for now. Um, we cut over to Rosita tending to Tara. If you remember, Tara was in the hospital there and recovering. Yeah. She was in rough shape last year, uh, but now she's mostly recovered, it looks like. But uh, Glenn and Nicholas come in, which at this point is immediately following their fight in the woods. 
and everybody's happy to see Tara is okay, and Maggie comes in to see Glenn, but Glenn doesn't really give up the info that it was Nick, you know, what about what Nick did. He just says it was walkers, I got grazed, everything will be fine. Right. Gra- grazed by a bullet, not by like a walker tooth. Yeah, true. Or, that... or a goat that, you know, grazes on things as well. <laughs> Very good. Human thesaurus. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, so, but they, they look like they're in kind of rough shape, but Eugene comes in and again, goes right over to Tara. He's happy to see that, that she's okay. And she's joking about his hair, which is nice. <laughs> she's like, oh, thank God your hair isn't changed. <laughs> your hair isn't changed, <laughs> which is nice. It's a nice lighthearted moment. It's good. But then she mentions Noah and he, and she has no idea that he's dead. Yeah. So that changes the mood a little bit there. Um, and it's not something I'd really thought about before, right? That she has no idea that Noah was, you know, stuck in a revolving door and eaten alive. Yeah. Which is kind of a bummer, especially for Noah. <laughs> um, we go over to Carl. Now, we get a quick shot or a quick scene with Carl where he climbs up on the top of some kind of lookout tower, it looks like, or the edge of the wall, maybe. And he sits there with Enid and she touches his hand. Mm-hmm. This is the only scene of Carl in this whole episode. Um yeah. But the other thing is that somebody is watching them from the ground. Is that Ron? I couldn't quite tell. It is Ron, yes. Okay, so that's Jesse's older son, Ron. Yes. So... Who is Enid's boyfriend? Is that a a true statement? Like, I don't remember if they have a relationship. I think they do. I think, well, at least in his mind, they do. Right. That may be more accurate. I don't know. But it's, it's definitely implied here that Ron is, is looking at them going, hey, what the hell, man? What are you doing? Yes. Um, but that's it. That's the only scene of Carl we get in this whole episode, which I thought was interesting. Um, we cut over to a scene of Morgan and Daryl and Rick, and they're talking. Now, Rick is still all bloody from the uh, events of the meeting earlier that evening. And uh, Rick tells Morgan that he just doesn't take chances anymore. You know, he doesn't screw around. He kills people when he needs to kill people, is what he's mm-hmm. saying. Yeah. Um, and now we see... Uh, Kind of a, an unusual scene that I didn't really get here. Abraham with the ring, so I guess he took Reg's ring from his finger, and from Reg's cold, dead finger, and he's trying to balance it on the cap of his little bottle of whiskey there. His Mickey, yep. His Mickey, uh, as we would call it, and it falls off, and then he balances it, and then he sort of realizes Sasha's watching him do this. Right. And uh, they give each other like a two-finger kind of peace sign type yeah. thing, I guess. Peace, my friend. Or, you know, if they were in England, it would be a, a screw you, but here it's peace. Okay, well, I'm, I'm fine. Isn't peace usually a little more upright like this, not sort of a sideways thing? I don't know. I mean, they're flashing gang signs. signs. Who knows? Okay. Well, I wasn't sure exactly what it was, other than them just sort of acknowledging like, yeah, things are a bit weird, but we're okay, Right. I think. Um, all right, so we cut to color, which is the present, and uh, a car driving down a road shoots a zombie with someone someone hanging out the window, uh, shoot, shooting a zombie, which zombie, which is cool. We hear Rick on the radio starting to explain the plan. He, Rick is saying things like, Daryl leads them out, Sasha and Abraham join them at the bottom of the hill, Glenn, take care of the walkers at that tractor place, and everybody keep your heads. And we see various shots of Alexandrians shooting flares and running around and stuff like that. They parked a lot of cars on the side of the road. 
Right. It's to it's to barricade the road. So when they when we get into this later, when they're leading the zombies around, it's yeah. so that the zombies can't get off the road at least early on in the parade. Yeah, I just I'm wondering if they push them all or uh, whether they all had gas. Mm-hmm. And you know, I just I wonder because you know they have a hard time finding a vehicle. Uh, over over the you know historically they have a hard time finding vehicles, but now they've got uh, seven or eight hundred of them all parked line <laughs> nicely in a row. <laughs> it does seem like there's an awful lot of them. I didn't think about the logistics of getting them there, but you're kind of right. I mean, maybe God, they just... it would take weeks to get all the cars lined up like that, especially if you had to push them. Well, and maybe... they were they were lined up pretty damn good. Maybe they did push them. I mean, they got enough people that they could push a few cars at a time. Well, yeah, I just it would take a long time is all I'm saying. That's true. Or maybe they'd always been parked there and they were just like, hey, that's lucky. Oh, yeah. So park, that's how you park cars when you go to a quarry. Yes, maybe it is. When, when you're a zombie and you need to go to where the herd is. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, let's see. So now we get a shot of Daryl on his motorcycle leading a uh, massive group of walkers. And uh, that's kind of it. He's 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 the head of the parade. He's he's the parade marshal. What do you call the head of a parade? I think it's called the drum major, but I might be thinking of uh, pipe bands. Okay, well, he's the drum major. He's the zombie major here. Yeah, he's the look that up. All right, you figure Guy out what that is. Who heads a? Can you Google would... in your head, please? <laughs> oh, I can't type and not talk. Oh, great! <laughs> At the same time, we cut back to black and white. We see Daryl working on his bike, and he's talking to Rick uh, about uh, keeping Morgan separate for now. So they've got Morgan in a separate house, yep. and uh, they talk about you know seeing walkers with W on their forehead. And Rick says he doesn't want to go out and look for more people because, well. He figures it's just too dangerous to do that, but Daryl doesn't agree. Right. Which is uh, interesting. Uh, Back in the present, we have Sasha and Abraham driving and kind of talking about their emotional state, I think, because as we remember, Sasha has been in tough uh, for a while with Tyrese being killed and Noah being killed and things like that. Uh, But she says she's good, and she says that doing something as big as this Whatever, whatever it is they're doing, because we still, as the audience, don't really know, but she says that's living. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, what's the point of life is a big problem that you have, unless you have a, you know, a master plan. If you're, you know, teaming together with everybody you know to accomplish a, uh, a large goal, that's, uh, that's a good thing, and that can really get your juices flowing. You're right. Have, she has a purpose. She has something yep. to do, and that's it. Uh, so they're driving along, and they stop at some red balloons. That's the red marker. Only three of them, not 99 of them, just three. Yeah, three red balloons. Uh, Back in the flashback in the black and white, Rick uh, goes to get Morgan from the house. They've got him in, I guess. Did you notice that the the bandages on Rick's face uh, when in black and white uh, made him look like Marv from Sin City. Yeah, we had a listener write in and and say that. The the bandages are just really bright and shiny. And almost overexposed a little bit in the black and white, so they stand out. Yeah, I just I thought that was weird. It's just like, well, it kind of looks like uh, uh, like that Mickey Rourke guy. I wonder. uh, I wonder if it was an intentional sort of uh, tribute to that. I don't know. I have no idea, really. Um, But I wouldn't be surprised if Greg Nicotero worked on that movie because if you look at his IMDb page, he's worked on every movie ever released by Hollywood. So I don't know. Um, but Rick finds Morgan in his room practicing his staff work, I suppose, 
And uh, they talk a little bit about that. And, and Morgan says that he learned it from a friend after everything. So he's sort of become the staff major or the staff man. <laughs> I don't know what you call. I don't know what you call a guy who does that sort of martial art. Uh, but uh, he learned that during the apocalypse, during the zombie apocalypse, after all of his trouble and uh, clearing and stuff like that, I think is what he was saying anyways. Um, but Rick apologizes for keeping him locked up. And Morgan says, you know, it's it's all right. We have to get to know each other again, and I don't blame you. Right, for the first time, again. Again. Uh, we go over to Eugene. He is at the gate of Alexandria, and a car comes up with Heath and a small crew, and it turns out the other people in the car are named Scott and Annie, and they've been out on a run for a couple of weeks, so they missed Rick and the gang's arrival at Alexandria. They don't know what's been going on. Um, and of course, Eugene doesn't know them, so he doesn't want to let them in, but eventually he does after they have sort of a funny exchange about, uh, you know, Heath saying, the longer you make me wait out here, the more I want to beat your ass, but I'm not going to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, uh, and it gets, it gets even funnier because, because Heath says, so did we miss anything? And Eugene's answer is, well, we had a meeting last night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You better talk to the horse. Yeah. You know, her, her mouth. Um, but I just I think was, uh, ans- I thought it was funny he was saying that I, I, I was only supposed to be here for two ticks, but uh, right. I've been here for at least five ticks. Yeah, because Holly, uh, he's he's relieving Holly for a couple of ticks, but no Holly after five. Yeah. How long is a tick? That's a very good question. Yeah. A have tick. Add, get, yeah, get Eugene to translate tick into actual time. Yeah, that's true. It, he may have a completely uh, uniquely Eugene perspective on how long a tick is. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then they, of course, make a comment about, or Eugene makes a comment about Heath's hair. Yeah. He likes his hair game. So this scene, I thought, was really, really well done by everybody involved. Like, perfectly directed, acted really well. It combined funny with with uh, with just a really interest or good introduction to Heath as, as a character, I think. I mean, it was short, but I feel like, okay, that's how they're going to tell us what his name is and stuff like that. So... Um, it was good. I thought it was really well done. And the more I watch Josh McDermott as Eugene, the more I love watching Josh McDermott I, as Eugene. I like Josh McDermott. I like Eugene as a character. I think he's, uh, I've always liked him as a character. I think it's great. I think he does such a good job here. And like Josh McDermott in real life is a hilarious, super fun guy to hang out with. And I look at Eugene and I'm like, that doesn't seem like him at all, but you can totally see his ability to portray that on screen as an actor. I, I don't yeah. know even know what I mean, but like it's it it works. It works really well for some reason. Yeah. I think we should get a uh a Eugene uh spin-off show before the zombie apocalypse. Like what Eugene's life was like before uh <laughs> the zombie apocalypse took over. Yeah, that that's not a terrible idea. It's like I, a better call Saul but with Eugene. Better call Eugene. Better well, call Eugene. Yeah, that's <laughs> you, what I think. Do you see it as a comedy? Oh yeah, <laughs> like like I don't see like Better Call Saul is not a comedy. Um, although Saul was an was a hilarious character on Breaking Bad. Yeah, I wonder if they could go back and do a Eugene prequel show and make it like a serious viable show. Probably not, but I would like to see it. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I would be. I would send them a dollar. I would send them a dollar, and I would encourage uh, everyone I know to do the same. You'd send them a dollar, or maybe two ninety nine an episode. 
well, I'd send them a dollar. If they released it, then I probably would buy it on iTunes for three forty nine or whatever it is. There you go. Because I like the high definition. Yes. Of things. Yes, you're right. Uh, all right. Well, that's that was a good scene. Um, we get now over to Rick and Morgan. They're talking about the walls, and Rick is kind of explaining how everyone has just lived here for a long time. There's been very few threats. Uh, you know, it's they've been they've been lucky. And they go over to the Alexandria graveyard, and Rick says, you know, they're they're digging graves for two people. That would be Pete and Reg. But Rick says, we don't bury killers inside these walls. We're going to get rid of them. Um, Tobin is there. He's one of the people digging the graves. And he says, you know, it's not your decision. But then Deanna shows up and she agrees with Rick. Right. So she's totally on Team Rick now. And uh, she tells them to go dump his body a few miles to the west. And poor Ron, Pete's son, is there sort of lurking in the shadows. And he he overhears this. So he knows what the plan is now for his dad's body. Um, We cut over to Rick and Morgan loading Pete's body into the back of a car, into the trunk, and Rick explains why he shot him, and he says it's because he killed Reg. (laughs) Right. Right? Pretty straightforward. Uh, Morgan suggests that, you know, they have a cell. You didn't necessarily need to kill him, but Rick says we're not going to keep killers inside the walls, and... Morgan makes a really, really good point here by yeah. saying, Rick, I'm a killer, and you are too. <laughs> yeah. Did you notice that the camera angle is from inside the trunk of the car? Reminded me of Pulp Fiction good. a little bit. Yeah, it was really neat. And you could see the uh, the tower in the background. Yeah, it was it was a nice shot for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, just I think Morgan reminding Rick, you know, you may not want to keep killers here, but who here hasn't killed somebody? You yeah, know, we're all, we're all killers. Dude. Especially you and especially me. Like, come on. Uh, we go to color. So we go back to the present and we've got Rick, Michonne, and Morgan at some kind of barrier they've built. It's it's a metal wall with an RV and some cars. And uh, they uh, are walking up to it and Morgan asks Michonne if she took one of his protein bars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, she says no. No. <laughs> And they have this this exchange about about Morgan thinking there was one last peanut butter, and Michonne's like, "Well, I didn't take it, but isn't the way isn't that the way it always is in this world? You always think there's one more peanut butter." Yeah, it was, was an, this was an interesting scene, a little light hearted, I guess, but I don't know. It was it was sort of a character moment for these two. I, I thought it was great. It was a great uh, interaction calling back where they had met he met each other in the past and yeah. just a funny little thing and uh, I'm uh, damn sure that they're going to fall in love. Are you, are you now? Yeah. Well, I think there's ev- evidence to support that potentially later on in the episode too. Good. Um but for now, we go back to black and white and uh we see Ron and he follows Rick and Morgan with Pete's body in the trunk. Uh, Rick wants to just dump him basically in the forest at the side of the road, but Morgan insists on burying the body and um, uh, says to Rick, you know, that's not who you are. You're not just going to leave a guy here. He, he, he may have been a dick, but you need to respect him to a certain degree. But for now, Rick disagrees. And uh, that's that. Yeah, and well, I, I, you know, once, uh, now that he's dead, he's paid the cost of his treachery, right? 
So have a little respect. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with that. But I mean, Rick kind of disagrees, which sort of implies that Rick is saying, you know, you don't know me anymore after all that's happened. You, you know, you haven't been around for everything to Morgan. I mean, yeah. Um, but you know, we'll see Rick Morgan seems to think he knows a bit more about Rick than Rick thinks. Uh, but they hear some distant sound of walkers and they follow the sound. And this is when they find the big rock quarry full of what looks to be thousands of zombies. Yeah. And they mentioned that they don't go this way very often, right? They do. Yeah. That's why they take the body this way because all the stuff is the other way. So yeah. that's it. Um, and now we get our scene, which we saw in the trailer from Comic-Con earlier in the summer where, uh, we saw somebody being chased towards the edge of a cliff and then somebody else dive out to save him before he runs off. Yeah. It turns out it was Ron and it was Rick that jumps out to save him and the zombies go off the cliff. Right. So he magically appears out from behind a tree, saves Ron, and uh, the zombies go off the cliff. Do you remember that uh, in the trailer, was this in black and white, this shot? Mm, I do not think it was, no. So uh, I found that interesting. I remembered, uh, you know, it's like, well, I don't remember that being in black and white, but it is now. It's a very good point. Um, obviously, they don't shoot things in black and white. They decolorize it in post, I guess, or desaturate it in post. Um, and I suppose they wouldn't have wanted to put black and white in the trailer to not give that away. Right. Because at the very least, people would be like, what the hell? That was in black and white. Why are they doing that? Yeah. Anyways, good point. Uh, we go to a commercial when we come back. We're in color briefly. We see Daryl leading the massive herd of mo uh, zombies on his motorcycle, and he meets up with Sasha and Abraham. That's it for now. Um, we go back to the flashback, and we get the guys looking over the quarry still. Rick realizes that this is why Alexandria has been so safe, because all the zombies in the area seem to end up here. Mm -hmm. Instead of, you know, knocking on their door at Alexandria. And uh, so Ron's there, of course, now, and he tells Ron that, you know, he can't be out here because you have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> Yeah. Like you're just you're just an idiot. And you know, Rick does sort of say to him, I I understand why you want to be here and I'll teach you how to survive, but for now it's unsafe. Rick does it in kind of a dickish way though. I mean he could have easily uh framed it as a it's not safe to be out here. We need to go through you know, I need to train you. We need to, you know, and we'll do that. Just that right now it's not safe for you to be out here. But he doesn't do that. He kind of He's kind of a dick about it. He says, you're stupid for coming out here. Don't come out here, you jerk. Uh, I need to train you because you're useless and a, and, and a liability. So he just he does it in kind of a, a dicky way. And I, I think there's, there would have been a better way to do that. Yeah, possibly. But, I mean, he's probably just a little bit stressed at this moment, right? He's, like, looking over this quarry full of zombies, and now he's got the son of a dude who he just shot in the head, like murdered, like following him out there. And he's just a little stressed, I think. Um, yeah. But you're right. He could have been a little nicer about it by just saying, this is unsafe. Don't do this again. Next time, you know, I'll make sure you have the skills and the tools you need to do this sort of thing. Yeah. But you're right. Um, so we cut over to the three of them, though, walking back through the woods, heading back to the road, I guess, where the car is. And as they pass the, the body of Pete, who is still lying there, Rick looks over and he decides to go and dig a grave and bury him instead of just leaving him there. So yeah. Morgan was right. 
Morgan is is right. He is right. Morgan's always right. Morgan Morgan's going to be the uh, the moral compass from this point forward. I think you're abs- I think you're right about that. Yeah, he's the Chewbacca of the uh, of this episode or this this season. Chewbacca is the moral compass of Star Wars. Well, damn right. Go back and watch it again. Uh, I've watched it a number of times. And he's all about friendship and loyalty, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, he's he's definitely the moral compass of that entire group. It's not R two or something. No, you you have to listen to what he says too, right? Of course, yeah. <laughs> well, of course. You, you speak Wookie, don't you? I have a dictionary on my shelf. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. Um, so we go to color in the present, and Rick is telling Glenn over the radio to hurry, and we've got Glenn, Nicholas, and Heath. They need to get uh, rid of the tractor place full of zombies. That's what they keep calling it, the tractor place. And uh, the idea is that these zombies are making too much noise, and they will draw the herd that they're shepherding along, that Daryl's shepherding along, off course because they're making too much noise. Yeah. Um, so they devise a plan, or basically Glenn devises a plan, to let out a few at a time so that they can take them out slowly without getting in too much danger. He, you know, Heath questions this idea, but Nicholas backs up Glenn. So Nicholas, I think, I think uh, Glenn scared him straight. Yeah, no, uh, he's definitely on Team Glenn from now on. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe not scared him, or but he didn't sort of rat him out because he could have had him exiled or killed or whatever. Glenn could have killed him, but he let him live. Yeah. Um, but Nicholas is now feeling like, maybe I'm lucky to be around still, so I need to smarten up. But it was an interesting scene, I thought. So Glenn really takes charge here. So they go to execute their plan of opening the door. Yep. But there's an interior, like, metal roll-down door in the way, and they can't let zombies out two at a time. Yeah, that sucks. It's quite <laughs> funny, too. It, it, it was sort of hilarious. They're like, oh, darn, after all that setup. <laughs> um, after a commercial break, we are back in the past, and uh, we have everybody in Alexandria, pretty much, that we know of, plus a bunch of people we don't know, in a house. Yeah. And Heath is explaining that he knew about the quarry full of zombies because he saw it, but he never went back because all the good towns to scavenge were the other direction, and he didn't really want to hang around, you know, that kind of thing. Right. So it was uh, it was this group of people that blocked off the quarry, mm-hmm. but then the group of people all turned into zombies, and they all died. Yep. And left the quarry the way it was, uh, which eventually collected more and more zombies and now became this big problem. Yeah, they started, they became zombies, started making noise. Other zombies came and I guess just started falling into the quarry because they yeah. blocked it off with the trucks. And that's how they just gathered more and more and more there. Um, but Heath is like, we didn't need to go back because everything good was the other way. So that's yeah. it. Um, now, Heath never really, uh, I mean, I guess you, from Rick's perspective, you could have thought maybe there would be some consequences for sort of letting this happen so close to their backyard, but they sort of move on and gloss over that. Heath just says, yeah, we knew it was there, but we ignored it. Well, they knew, they didn't know it was that big. I mean, it was a long time ago. There was a few zombies in a quarry that are all, it's all blocked off. Yeah, that's true. That's true. If you haven't gone back, you haven't really, you don't really know the severity of the problem, I guess. Yeah. Um... Rick explains to everyone that it's only a matter of time before they get out and so that they have to do something about this right now. 
And Carol gets her first line of the episode where she sort of agrees with Rick, but she's still playing her yes. her role. She's doing it from the inside. She says, that the only word I have for that is terrifying. Yeah. But I think you're right in that we should uh, take care of this. So she's uh, she's still playing the role. Yeah, she definitely is. Um, and this is when Carter pipes up. Carter is Ethan Embry again, and he suggests that there, maybe there has to be another way. Maybe they can they can reinforce the exits from the quarry or reinforce the walls so that they they can't get out. Um, and after you know a little bit of com- sort of whining on his part, Deanna uh, agrees with Rick and says, "No, we got to do it his way." So I have a question about the quarry. Okay. Was it an active quarry? Was it, uh, was like with the fact that there's tractor trailer, tractor trailers around, uh, is it like being current? Like, but at the time of the zombie apocalypse, was it under construction? Was there, was there mining going on? No, I don't see why not. Like, there, there was actual mining happening. The zombie apocalypse happened and things fell apart pretty quickly. All right, so there's going to be a, uh, uh, a shit ton of explosives kicking around. Because quarries don't just happen, right? They, you need to blow up stuff and Makes sense. mine out the, the actual rock. So wouldn't it make more sense to uh, go around and blow all the walls and see if, how many zombies you can kill with uh, falling debris? Well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I can think of two or three different ways that they could have dealt with this. What, that... like filling fill the quarry with wood and then setting it on fire? Uh, well, I, I turned to my wife watching this, and I'm like, why don't they just take one single flaming arrow, shoot it down into there, light one zombie on fire, and the, there's enough density down there that they'd light an awful, I think he'd light an awful lot of them on fire, and they'd just all burn themselves to nothing. Yeah. Um, now, you could use all the gas that you used to line the cars up along the road. Yes. And pour that on the zombies. Yeah. Now, I mean, I'm not saying these plans are any easier necessarily. I mean, they might be, but it's, you know, shooting fire into there does rely on there being stuff to burn, which is like clothing and things like that, that it still remains on the zombies. Zombies burn. I mean, I guess they burn, but... It, we saw that with uh, a couple seasons ago when the flaming zombies came out of the woods. I know that. They burn, but it's... I think we had a listener tell us too one time that it's much more difficult to burn a body than you think because bodies are 70% water. Now, That's zombies true. are probably not 70% water anymore, but still, they're, they're, uh, it's not like they're dry wood that's been sitting around for two years getting ready to, to be burnt. They're kind of. They're kind of oh, dry kinda. wood that's been sitting around <laughs> for two years. There's lots of options for getting rid of these zombies that don't involve letting them all out. Well, I think the problem was Rick decided that they're going to get out anyways, so we need a plan that that addresses the fact that they're going to get out. And then when he's standing there talking about it and the truck falls in, that's like the door opening, so the zombies are getting out, so we have to do this right now. Yeah. You think Eugene could come up with a way of uh, manufacturing napalm? Betcha he could. Yeah, probably. I don't know. Problem solved. Let Eugene do his job. Okay, but there's one. There's another problem with, say, lighting them on fire or something like that. That causes a really big fire with a lot of smoke, which is like a big giant signal to anyone in the neighborhood, including right. other zombies, right? It might actually draw more walkers to the area. Ah, so you have to firebomb the place every couple of years. Who cares? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, they wanted a plan that would do this 
kind of quietly, which I know zombies aren't quiet, and there was a lot of you know concern about noise in this episode. Um, but uh, but they also wanted they also had to react to the fact that the zombies were getting out and getting out soon, and then they oh got there out. was that tractor trailer that was going to fall any day now, and right they were worried about that. Okay, so that's yeah, that's yeah. the uh, that's the mitigating factor. Right. That's 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 all I'm saying. I mean that aside, yes, I feel like there would have been other possible solutions to this problem that didn't involve letting them out or them getting out. So. Anyways, it looked awesome when the tractor trailer fell in. Uh, I thought there were a lot of amazing things about the whole idea of leading zombies down the road and this and that. So, Grand Marshal is the term for the guy who leads a parade. Grand Marshal Dixon. See? That's right. We wouldn't have had Grand Marshal Dixon without this plan. Um, but back in the living room of the house in Alexandria, um, where are we? So Deanna agrees and then... Rick explains that the plan is basically to lead them away with teams on each side uh, of the road in the forest to make sure that they don't stray. Right. So that's that's it. Uh, Father Gabriel offers to help when Rick asks for help, but he immediately says, nope, <laughs> and mo- <laughs> moves on, just shuts shuts them down immediately. Yep. Um, Carter still doesn't trust Rick, but again, Deanna shuts him down and says, no, forget it, we're doing it Rick's way. And then people start volunteering to help. Um, we get a bunch of people volunteering, including Nicholas, even after Glenn gives him the, oh, no, you don't. You're not ready for this. <laughs> yeah. But he volunteers. Um, and then before the scene ends, we have Carter asking Rick to go through the plan one more time in detail exactly what we're going to do. So he is a real nervous Nelly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and he can't really... He's not really on board here. He just, just sees the downside to all of this. So I have uh, I've known project managers like that that want to know all the details about exactly what you're going to do and how it's going to happen and how it's all going to work. And you know, a lot of time my philosophy is, uh, you know, I'm going to figure it out as I go along. <laughs> really, <Yeah>. and I'll, <laughs> so, I'll let you know when it's done. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I figure it's going to take uh, you know 24 hours to do this kind of thing. Uh, you know, three days of eight hours each, not 24 hours straight. And, uh, you know, it'll work at the end. Mm-hmm. I promise. That's right. I'll get it done. Don't worry. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes the best way to approach things. But not for Carter. He wants no. to know exactly what steps you're taking to make this plan happen and happen right. right. Yeah. And that, that kind of thing is, is good. It's good to have a plan. It's good to go over the plan a couple of times to make sure everybody understands their roles and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that uh, people like him, uh, like to know exactly what the plan is, and if the plan changes, they're not good at reacting to those changes. Oh, I've worked with people like that too. Yeah. Over so the they're good when they know the plan. Like this is the plan. This is exactly what we're gonna do. This is your piece. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it changes, and they freak out. Yeah. Oh my God, I can't do that. That's gonna take. Oh, oh I don't even know. I I just can't do it. I need. I need. You know, you have to rewrite all the documentation. Well, <laughs> I'm sure they had plenty of documentation for this. But you're right. It's like, even though the plan is the same, the fact that it's starting earlier, like the plan is starting at an unplanned moment, is enough to throw a guy like Carter all off. Do you ever watch, uh, there's a play called Noises Off. It's starring- oh, I've seen the movie, I think. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's ba- it's, the movie's based on a play, but the, uh, the movie and the play are awesome because it goes through the different cut types of actors in a play. Right. Like when when 
things go awry. There's people that just go with it and they riff and they uh, they're able to to ad lib as needed. And then there's people that just no matter what they're saying their lines. Right. Right. <laughs> Regardless of what's happening on the stage, anything that's happening that's off script, they're just gonna say their lines. Anyway, and then there's people that just don't do anything. They just freak out and they can't. They can't say their lines. They can't ad lib. They don't do anything. Right. So uh, I think that that play in that movie is a uh, a good character study of the different ways people deal with uh, unscripted situations. Got it. And we have that playing out right here. We do. Truck That's falls in. Rick springs into action. Truck falls in. Carter like shuts down like a little baby and doesn't know what to do. Screw this, I'm going home. Yeah, I'm that's taking right. my ball with me. <laughs> exactly. Uh, anyways, we cut back to... Um, we go sort of back and forth between color and black and white now a bit. We we go to color in the present, and we are back at the wall where the uh, there's an intersection where they've built this wall, and this is where they need to turn the zombies away from Alexandria. Yeah. And uh, we've got... Michonne, Rick, and Morgan back there, and they fire some flares up into the sky, sort of from behind the wall as the massive herd is just getting there. And then we go back to black and white, and we see them planning this scene. Yeah. So here we are going back and forth. It's kind of cool. Um, we see them planning what intersection to use, how they're going to do it, and... Carter is there, and he still doesn't think it'll work, of course, because some are inevitably going to slip through, and then the herd isn't going to turn, and he's just all worried about everything. And uh, the others basically tell him that he has to just suck it up and build this yeah. wall to make it hold, to make it but, work. But what happens if the what happens if the trees aren't there anymore? What if what if the sun doesn't come up? Right. You know, what if it's all of a sudden it's nighttime? What if it's <laughs> you know we're we're doing this and all of a sudden it's it's dark out? Yeah. You know how are we going to deal with that? All kinds of things can go yeah. wrong. So he, but they, they tell him, you know what, just work it out, work it. You've didn't, you've, you've built walls before. And Morgan says, you did the impossible before. So we're, all we're asking is you to do that again. Yeah. How hard can that be? <laughs> and that's a good life lesson too, even uh, in work, in work, if you, uh, if you do the impossible, it'll become part of your job description. Oh, I have to learn <laughs> to stop doing the impossible at work. Yeah. <laughs> um, back to the wall in the present, we have Daryl leading the herd around the corner. Uh, we see all kinds of zombies kind of scraping along the wall, leaving trails of gore. And then the, here's one effect I didn't like at all in this episode. It felt like some of the zombies were just hitting the wall and their heads were just exploding. <laughs> their heads are so soft. Like just that, it, was, that was bad. That was bad. It just exploding. Like, sure. I can see them push up against the wall. You'd almost, it would be more re realistic if it was just like a mass of pressure against the wall as they were kind of scraping around the corner. And maybe we saw the wall like giving a little bit or something, but instead we see zombies like headbutting the thing <laughs> and their heads exploding. I thought yeah. it was a little cheesy. They just, yeah, you just, you touch the wall with your head and all of a sudden it's flat. Yeah, exactly. Just blood everywhere. Yeah. It was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Um, and the flares, can I ask you, the flares that they were shooting up from behind the wall, was that, yeah. was that to just like attract zombie attention and say like, go this way? Like, were they shooting them sort of that way? So when they were in the sky, the zombies might kind of follow the flares? Uh, that I think was the intent. I don't think that that's what would actually happen in principle. Well, maybe not, but that's what they were trying to do. Like, like. 
I, I wasn't sure. Like they weren't signaling anyone else, were they? That, that the zombies are here now, so no. do something. Because they else? had radios, right? Yeah, and they were at the and this corner was the orange balloons. So they've gone past the red balloons, mm-hmm. and now they're at the orange balloons, and then they're going on on their way to the green balloons. That's right. So they know what's going on. There's radios. They have two way radios. They're able to talk. So the flares weren't to signal somebody. They were to get the zombies' attention. To right. go go that way, but they're shooting them from behind the barricade, saying "Go that way." It's like trying to get a cat to go someplace by pointing at the direction you want the cat to go. Doesn't work. No, they look at your hand. Yeah. You know, oh, that's a nice hand. Does that have any milk on it? I could really eat the milk off that hand. <laughs> you know, and you can't do that, right? You can pretend to throw a ball for a dog. That might work. So what they need is somebody down the road with a couple of pots banging them together, because that would work just as well. Well, they have they have you know the Grand Marshal Dixon there uh, yeah. doing that. He's he's driving the motorcycle and Sash and Abe in the car. But what they need is they need Rick, you know, 500 meters down the road, shooting the flares down there, going, uh, zombies, this way, this way, not right behind yeah. the wall. No, yeah, it, it's, I think the, the flare thing was completely ridiculous. Unless if they were standing down the road shooting flares, that would work. That's what I'm saying. That's where they needed to be. So unless I'm missing something... So why don't they take the flares to the to the quarry and shoot them at the zombies in the quarry and light them that on would fire? Catch them on fire. <laughs> yeah, it might, but I don't. I choose to willfully ignore that idea. Yeah, a couple of pots and pans down the road would have worked just fine. Yeah. All right. Well, we cut to black and white in the past, and uh, it's it's a scene of them building the wall. Everybody there is helping. We see Daryl. We see Jesse. We see everybody. And uh, Daryl comes over and tells Rick that he still thinks they should go out to find more people, hearkening back to their conversation from earlier in the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's Rick's call. Daryl's like, it's your call, man. I think we should do it, but it's up to you. Uh, and then Carol comes over with a drink for Rick. And uh, Rick asks her to stay back in Alexandria and gauge how people feel now instead of getting involved in this zombie parade plan. Because she's like the sleeper agent in the in in the yes. town, right? She's undercover. She's the eyes and the ears of that fine institution. Um, back in color, we're at the tractor place, and uh, we've got Glenn and everybody there. They find another door to the the building, and decide that they're just gonna have to let them out and take them out as well as they can. Um, no, not a door. He shoots the window out, right? Shoots the window, yeah. yeah. okay. I mean, the window becomes a door when you, there's no window in it. <laughs> it's true. And it's big enough. And it's big enough, yeah. Um, Glenn tells Nick to stay back while he and Heath kill them all. So he doesn't really trust Nick to do the right thing here. And he's also saying, if if this goes bad, you let Rick know that, well, we failed in our mission, and yep. then shoot yourself in the head, probably. Yeah, you're you're our suicide note. Go That's right. tell them what happens. That's what happens. right. Uh, but before we see that play out, we go back to building the wall in the past, and we get a scene here between Maggie and Tara, and Maggie tells Tara that Nicholas got Noah killed, and that then he tried to kill Glenn, <laughs> and Tara's like, what the hell? Like, how come he's <laughs> still hanging around? Yeah. And Maggie says, you know, we thought about telling everyone and having him exiled, um, but before they did that, Maggie says, we thought about you, Tara, and how at one time, not that long ago, we were basically enemies, you know, standing on different sides of a fence at the prison. But now, Tara, you're one of the most important people in my life, which I I didn't 
really see that. I mean, I don't really feel like Maggie and Tara have that strong of a connection other than they traveled together a bit, but... Yeah, I mean, the, the sentiment was there, but I think I agree with you that uh, that she took it a little bit too far uh, with the mo- most one of the most important people in my life. It's just like, you know, you were on the other side of the fence, but now... You know, you're over here, and uh, we accept you. I mean, that's what she was. That's what she was saying. Exactly. It just it was it was a little too dramatic. I thought. I mean, yes, Maggie's lost her father, who would have been most important. Lost her sister. She has Glenn, who presumably is the most important person in her life because they're married. Um, But but Tara, like like Rick or Carol or anybody, isn't sort of one step above Tara. I don't know. The only thing I could think of is. I think Maggie credits Tara with saving Glenn's life when they were stuck in the train tunnel, remember? Right, yep. And that, I guess, is enough for Maggie to be like, you're the most important person in my life now because you saved my husband. Right. Right? So, you know, it was a little a little too far, a little dramatic, but that's where Maggie's coming from, if you ask me. But you're right, she yeah. was just kind of trying to say that People can change. No matter what you've done, people can change, and we can always make things better, she says. It's true. So uh, go to go back to the tractor building, and they let the zombies out by shooting the window, and they killed them all. Now, it doesn't go exactly according to plan. Glenn and Heath take out most of them, but Nicholas jumps in at the end for a couple of saves. You know, he just gets, uh, he gets in there when someone's in trouble. And what I liked about this scene is a zombie kind of gets on Nicholas and Glenn shoots the zombie off of him, which to me was sort of like Glenn had this opportunity to eliminate Nicholas and he could have easily just blamed it on the chaos of the moment, but he doesn't. He shoots the zombie, saves Nicholas, and then he tells Nick to go and kill the last zombie. But I think this says a lot about Glenn here. It does. You know, he's not going to just, he he wasn't looking for an opportunity to get rid of the guy basically which I think is important. I, <laughs> I I agree. There was an opportunity to, well, you know, I think Glenn probably has, will have lots of opportunities to, uh, to let him die mm. and, and not be blamed for it. But, uh, you know, he's trying to give this guy an opportunity to uh, reconcile and mm-hmm. uh, redeem himself. And, and you know what, back to the scene with Maggie and Tara, I think Maggie says something along those lines too, right? He's like, Glenn saves people. He doesn't, kill them or whatever so this is glenn's project let him have his project <laughs> let him do it <laughs> he'll yeah. he'll go one way or the other eventually and did you see how fast the zombies came out of that window when they shot it well they like, were as like as soon as they shot it they were, they, like it was right there it wasn't like there was no reaction time of whoa way out let's go that way it was you know they were at the window uh trying to get through that window when uh, when glenn shot it well out. presumably they could see the three guys out there and they were banging on the windows like just wanting to get out and get at them. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, they were right there. You'd think somebody would have fallen out rather than stepped out perfectly yeah. normally. Just, but. It looked like there was. Uh, uh, he, yeah, they were they were chomping at the bit to get out that particular window. Yeah, well, we were running out of time, so they needed to get out fast. Yeah. Um, go back to the wall building scene after a commercial break, and now we've got Carol bringing a drink for Morgan, and Morgan, he's a very a uh, perceptive guy. He asks if she was a cop too, uh, because she always seems to be watching and ready. And this takes Carol aback a little bit, I think, um, because she 
like no one else has really been able to see through her disguise, but yeah. Morgan kind of can. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. I call bullshit on your acting uh, like you're innocent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's more to you than meets the eye is what he's saying. Yeah. We go back to the present. We've got Abraham and Sasha. Uh, they notice some zombies are going off the road. They're leading the zombies still. So Abe jumps out of the car, runs back to take them out, and uh, get them back on track. Right? He's like, yeah. we can't let them wander off there. That's going to screw everything up. Um, he gets back in the car, and he starts talking about um, when Reg and Pete died. And he sort of laughs about still having some of Pete's brains in his ear. <laughs> was a yeah. little insensitive, I thought. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I think Abraham is going a little iffy. He's, he was drinking. He's laughing about these poor guys being killed, despite, you know, Pete being a dick. I think so. I think he's teetering on the edge a little bit, and uh, he's not quite all there. Um, but we'll see how that plays out. Uh, we go back to building the wall in black and white. We got Rick tell... Um, Finally telling Deanna that he's sorry about Reg, you know, he was a great guy and so on. And uh, he also tells her that everybody inside Alexandria needs to be trained and armed. That's another one of his recommendations for this place. Uh, As they're talking, though, some zombies come out of the forest and uh, Rick tells Carter and his group to kill them, which doesn't go so well. They don't know what to do. They Help us. Yeah, they don't know how to react. So Rick, Daryl, Morgan, and Michonne have to jump in to rescue them. And after they, you know, easily dispatch all these zombies, Morgan just turns to Rick and says, I thought you didn't take chances anymore. Yeah, well, he's trying to, this is a training opportunity. It's not, I'm not, not that I'm taking chances. We're here to save them. No, I think. But uh, you never pass up a, uh, a good and proper training opportunity. I think this is an excellent point on Morgan's, Morgan's behalf, though. He's like, look, training opportunity is one thing, but you, you, you can make people ready to be trained. You don't just spring it on them when they're building a wall, doing something else, not really holding proper, you know, weapons or whatever. Yeah. I think, I think Morgan has a good point. That this is this was an unnecessary risk that could have gone really bad. I'm not sure. I I I I'm with Rick on this one. To just throw them caution to the wind and be like, "Good luck with that, guys." I don't know. No, it's it's not throwing caution. They were there to save them in case they needed to. They were just like, you know, calm down, go and kill them. Hmm. Yeah, I don't still think it's that easy. I mean, I I think there's a time and a place for training, and this might not have been it. Right. I think. Anyways, uh, we go to commercial and come back, and uh, now we have Eugene in the pantry of one of the houses getting some food or something like that, and he overhears Carter talking to some other people about killing Rick Uh because Deanna is asleep at the wheel, and we have to eliminate Rick from this situation because he's ruining Alexandria. Uh, Clumsy Eugene drops a jar, which reveals his position, (laughs) (laughs) and Carter comes and points a gun at him. Yeah, For Eugene's it, so useless in this situation. He's like, oh my God, I gotta get caught. He's funny, I though. better drop a jar and then back into this shelf and fall down. <laughs> and then say, hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> yeah, Don't no. kill me. I liked I liked that part about it, but I was surprised that Carter, like, point, like useless second-guessing Carter, like, points a gun at him and presumably is ready to kill the guy, right? But how does that right. make him any different from Rick, who he's, you know, 
bad mouthing here saying this guy is a killer so yeah um that was interesting uh rick daryl and michonne walk in i guess they heard the commotion from the street and carter says to rick that he is going to take this place back of course that doesn't go so well because rick easily disarms him takes the gun out of his hand and points it right at him (laughs) um just proving you know the point that that rick has saying that sort of i know what to do i'm i'm a survivor and you're an idiot um so Carter grovels and he says that it was just me, just killed me. Nobody else, you know, has to die because of this. But Rick decides not to, and he tells Carter to work with them to survive, stop being such a an idiot. And I think he kind of scared him straight. That's sort of what we're supposed to take from this. I don't know. Well, yes. Okay. That's what we're that's what's supposed to happen, but I'm not sure that if somebody pointed the gun at the back of my head and was thinking about killing me until someone else suggested that they not, that I'd be like, yeah, I'm on board with that guy now. Well, yeah, I I don't know, except that later on in this episode, you know, when they're dealing with the zombies, they shake hands, and Carter's like, hey, I can't believe it worked. <laughs> so, I, Well, yes, that I believed, but if this, you know, if this happened to me, I'd be plotting my revenge. Yeah, you, you may be I'd be right. like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot that fucker in his sleep. Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> well... We, we cut back to the present, and uh, Glenn and his group are now back with Rick and Carter and a few others. Uh, I guess they're one of the forest teams on the side of the road, keeping the zombies in line. Yeah. And there would be a group with Tobin on the other side. And uh, yeah, this is the scene. Carter agrees that it's working, and he shakes Rick's hand. So I think just the juxtaposition of these scenes, it's like Rick finally asserts his dominance over Carter, and then later on when they're executing this plan, Carter's like, hey, good, this worked. I'm, I'm on board with you now. I, I respect your, your ideas. Right. I think that's kind of what they were trying to get at. But uh, anyways, um, Rick says that uh, if, if things get sloppy, if the zombies start moving, fire your weapons to pull them back on track. And they fan out to uh, different locations around the herd. Uh, so we see Carter running through the forest, and just when we think he is, you know, on board, he gets grabbed by a zombie and bitten right in the face. Bit in the face. Uh, and the screaming, of course, attracts the walkers. <laughs> yeah, So he's does. messing it all up for them. Yeah. Before we see the results of that, though, we go back into black and white, and uh, we get a nice scene here with Rick bringing Judith out to Morgan, who's sitting on his porch cleaning his staff. Polishing his pole, buffing his rod. Yep. Uh, yeah, all that stuff. All right, doing one of those things. Uh, Rick tells Morgan that he can move in with him and Michonne. That there's no reason to keep him separate anymore. Right. And then he offers to uh, Morgan if he wants to hold Judith. And this is what I was getting at before when you said Morgan and Michonne are going to fall in love. Now they're yeah. moving in together already. And well, and why and, are Rick and Michonne already living together? Well, they all live in the same house. No, that's, I don't think they all live in the same they house. They took two houses and they all live in those two houses. Oh, yeah, that's true. I feel like they they would have spread out a little bit, but I guess not that much time has passed. No, they're not, uh, you know, they can't become complacent just because they live in a walled uh, community. They have, to, uh, they have to protect each other. So they're living in the two houses. They're all kind of... You know, they're all bunking together, so they want uh, Morgan to bunk with them. Fine, but it was Michonne in that scene and not anybody else. <laughs> That's true. There's a reason I think she was standing there, so we could have something going on 
with them. I don't know. And did you see how good Michonne looked? I noticed that it was one of the few times we see her without her bandana on. And I thought she looked fantastic. Oh, good. No, I didn't notice. Okay, well... I, uh, I think she looked amazing. Uh, Morgan tells Rick that the man who didn't kill Carter in the armory before, that's the real Rick. And uh, Rick says he wanted to kill him because it's easier and he wouldn't have to worry about Carter doing something stupid later on then, but uh, he didn't. And um, Rick says that he didn't have to do it because a guy like that's going to die anyways because he's useless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, he's going to die anyway, and, well, frankly, he we already know he does, so... If only that were the true in real life, when people actually get their comeuppance. But as you and I know, they don't. No. People do not get what's coming to them. No, that's, that's right. That's a general rule. Um, we go back to the, the, the present scene of uh, Carter being eaten. Rick pulls the zombie off him, puts in... Uh, kills the zombie, I guess, and then puts a knife in the back of Carter's head because he's loud and, and screaming, and he's he's a goner anyways. Yep. Um, the others have been shooting off their guns that we can hear, and it draws the back walkers back onto the road. So that aspect of the plan is working nicely too. Yeah. And then the other thing I noticed here is Rick is just no nonsense at all in this scene because... Uh, as soon as Carter's dead, he's right back to business. Michonne is there and Morgan is there and they're all kind of like looking at the body going, oh, this is not good. But Rick's like, forget it. Just keep, keep going. You know, you have jobs and get on with it. We can bitch and moan about this later. Yeah. We've got something to do right now. Now is not the time. Um, and before we go back to black and white, we get a quick shot of Daryl leading the parade. So he's still doing that. Mm-hmm. Um... Black and white, Jesse, she's in the armory. Rick comes in to talk to her now. Well, comes in to get some flares, he says, but he's he ends up having his conversation with her. And they talk about Rick telling Ron to be safe. Yeah. And Jesse's whole, you know, feelings on this are, that's fine. I agree with you. You know, he's got to learn, but it can't come from you. You're not the guy to do this. He'll never respect you. Yeah. Um, so Jesse says, you know, she asked Rosita to teach them. And then she's going to teach her own sons, which yeah. kind of makes sense. And it does. she's distancing herself, you know, and her family from Rick, which I think also makes sense mm-hmm. after what's just transpired. So yeah. uh, it makes sense. Uh, we get a quick shot of the present of Rick and Michonne in the forest. And then we go right back to black and white with um, Rick explaining uh, what happens when the zombies get to uh, the green balloons. And... We see Abe questioning if Sasha is doing this because she wants to die, but she says, nope, I'm good. So sort of just reinforcing that storyline. Daryl's Daryl in the car leading the zombie parade. And yeah, we're going really back and forth between present and past here. Back in the black and white, we find the tractor place. We see them finding the tractor place and deciding to clear it out. So we're kind of going back before everything we've already seen. And uh, this is an interesting scene where we see Glenn tell Nicholas that he's going to sit out and think about what he's done for a while. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're not going to be part of this. Um, uh, And and Glenn says, you can't be part of this plan, but I'm going to make you sort of ready at some point when when I feel you're ready. So Um, we see zombies walking. We see Glenn's team in the forest. And then we cut back right to the beginning uh, where Rick is at the quarry before the truck falls over, you know, talking about the plan. 
they're going to execute. So we've gone through the flashback timeline all the way up until the point that we basically saw in the current timeline um, at the beginning of the episode. Uh, yet we're not quite done yet. Nope. So we see some shots of a whole bunch of zombies walking. We know now that they're leading the zombies away. They're going to turn them west, I think it is, lead them away from Alexandria, and that'll be that. They'll be safe again. But suddenly some kind of loud horn starts blaring. Yeah. And nobody knows what's happening. And, of course, it's a loud sound, and it draws the zombies off the road into the forest towards Alexandria. Yeah. So somebody's uh, doing something to cause the zombies to go towards Alexandria anyway. That's right. Um, Rick realizes that it's coming from home. He refers to Alexandria as home. And uh, everyone basically takes off towards Alexandria, and we see a big, wide sky shot of thousands of zombies turning back into the forest, going presumably right where they don't want them to go. And that is the episode. So what is the deal with the horn? What do you think? Do you have any theories? I don't, actually. I don't know what's going on. Is it, the, is it the wolves that are causing, like they saw this plan being executed and decided to uh, mess with it? That's the only thing I can think of. Or it's an accident. There's an air raid siren that happens to be going off for some random reason. Yeah, is it some kind of old air raid siren? Is is Alexandria, uh, you know... Did somebody in Alexandria turn it on for any purpose? You know, is something bad going back going on back there and they need to get everyone's attention so they come back and help them? I mean, who knows? Who I really knows? have no idea. Um, but it boy, did it ever screw up the zombie parade plan uh, right <laughs> as they were basically like yeah. just finished with it. So uh, we will see. Um, to quick look, a couple of quick notes about this episode uh i really quite enjoyed it i thought it was really interesting how they decided to tell this story going back and forth between the present and the past and i liked the fact that they did the black and white because it was a very obvious visual cue as to sort of where you were uh in the in the timeline and i feel like that kind of thing might be annoying in another show but it works okay in the walking dead I agree. Primarily because the comic is in black and white. And it, it kind of felt like, you know, a, a, just a callback to the comics a little bit, right? It it did. And I like this episode a lot. This is probably one of my favorite episodes of this show. I absolutely loved the fact that the, the backstory was in black and white and the current situation was in color. Uh, there was a couple of things that I didn't like about this episode, but overall I thought it was absolutely fan-fucking-tastic. Well, I didn't think it needed to be 90 minutes, I'll be honest with you. I think they probably could have told this story in less time than that. I liked that they played it out and it was a little more relaxed in its storytelling. No, you're right, I, I agree with that, but I feel like we went back to scenes at while they were building that wall a little too often, like... You know, we saw a scene with Carol talking to Rick, and then Carol talking to Morgan, and then Rick talking to Deanna, and and then the zombie attack. And I feel like they could have maybe condensed that a little bit. Um, and then I don't know if they could have done it in a normal time slot, which which is like what forty four minutes or forty five minutes, and this one was just an hour and a couple of minutes of actual 
you know, Showtime. Right. Um, so it's tough. It's tough to say, but I did feel like it was a little bit drawn out, but you're right. I mean, I shouldn't complain because I do like it when shows take their time telling stories and not rush through things. So yeah. maybe it's a little bit of both sides there. I thought there was a lot of great zombie work in this, like especially the early on one of the, the zombie squeezing through the trucks and having all his flesh fall off. <laughs> there was uh, definitely a lot compared to what's been ha- what happened on Fear of the Walking Dead, where we've had whole episodes with no zombies, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden we go to the Walking Dead, and it's like, yeah, that's what zombie shit is like. <laughs> this is what we have come to expect, exactly. Two different shows, right? So yeah. you can't hold it against oh god fear, no i wouldn't I do think. that I, but uh just it definitely was a uh a payoff from what we've been watching over the last six weeks yeah for sure now having said what i just did about this being uh you know maybe not worthy of 90 minutes um do you think maybe that it might have been a little bit more interesting to see the morgan and rick relationship played out a little longer because i feel like they really I mean, I like the way they they handled rebuilding their relationship, and it bugged me a little bit that, you know, in the trailer, they made it seem so much like they were at odds, yet by the end of this episode, they're basically on the same page. Yeah. Uh, Like, I think maybe it would have been nice to see that play out a little bit longer, and by longer, I mean over the course of more than one episode. Right. I don't know. Do you do you agree? I think it could have I been think, done, even though it was done really well here. I don't it think seems it's done. Like it was a bit fast. I think we're still going to get it. I'd like. There's no reason to to for me to think that 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 relationship has yet to evolve. I don't. I don't think that that's the entire story. I don't know, man. I maybe not, but like they in this episode, they went from questioning each. Well, mostly Morgan questioning. Uh, what kind of man Rick is and saying, you're not that kind of guy, you know, you, you wouldn't just dump a body, you'd bury it. Um, and sort of feeling each other out a little bit to see where they are now. And Rick saying, you don't know what I've had to do. And the whole, like, we're both killers kind of deal. Like, I feel like there could have been more there, but by the end they'd wrapped it all up and like, here you go, hold my baby. We're best friends again. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I I can see where you're coming from. And I, I think that that, kind of thing could have taken a little more screen time right but not in this episode less in this episode more in like the next two or three or getting its own episode or getting its own maybe yeah that would have been this show's no zombies (laughs) right it would have been a it would have been um morgan and rick sitting at a table just hashing out their stuff so (laughs) riveting television riveting i'm sure anyways i agree with you i thought this episode was really really good uh in general um it's in some ways, didn't really advance, you know, the story of Alexandria much at all. It was just like, here we are back, and we've got to deal with this giant pit full of zombies here. Yeah. And, you know, we don't know anything more about the wolves. We don't know anything more about what's going to threaten them this season. And uh, that's it. So it's kind of a bottle episode in a way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, in, in a way, yes. Except that there was everybody in it and uh, lots of shit going on. Yeah. Except for that. It was a bottle episode that incorporated everybody. That's right. (laughs) Somehow. (laughs) All right. Well, it was pretty cool. If you've got thoughts on this episode, send them in to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com or visit our website and click send voicemail to uh, send us a message. And 
Now that we're back to the main show, we will be doing our feedback show on Wednesday. So lots of feedback to go through, and uh, you've got 48 hours or so to uh, send that in from right now. You know how this works. Um, <laughs> let's take a quick break, Jason, and we'll come back with, holy crap, did you see that? Stay with us. If you want to help support the Talking Dead podcast, you can visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the talking dead. Head over there to make a small monthly pledge to uh, help us with the cost of putting on this podcast. We really appreciate anything anybody can do. And uh, if you give a little bit more, there are some uh, rewards you can get, like um, one of a kind zombie sketches from friend of the show, Dave. They're pretty cool. You can also help out by using our Amazon links by going to TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon and clicking on the store of your choice. When you do that, and then you do all your shopping at Amazon, a small cut of your purchase comes back to us, which is really great. And of course, we get no idea what you buy, and you don't pay anything extra, so there's nothing to lose by doing that. We thank everyone for going to Patreon and using our Amazon links. We appreciate all your support. everybody time for holy crap did you see that this is the section of the show where you write in your short little observations about the episode that just made you jump off your couch and say holy crap did you see that regardless of anyone else is in the room with you i think that <laughs> happens all the time yeah. so our first one comes from jessica in long island and jessica says holy crap did you see how many skinny how many skinny the how many skinny zombies we got tonight <laughs> <laughs> she she has an extra word in there. Sorry, Jessica. Um, looks like a steady Atkins diet and plenty of light cardio really has paid off. That walker that got Carter was a, looking especially heroin chic. <laughs> right. We got to remember that the zombies are long zombified, most of them, and very decayed. So, you know, they're getting skinnier all the time as things, as parts fall off. Well, yes. I mean, the, uh, why would they get skinnier? Well, I don't think they get skinnier, but like if you lose all the flesh on your torso, you're just going to naturally be skinnier. Right. So if you don't have any muscles. Or fat. Or bones. Well, they have a lot of bones oh. still. Well, maybe maybe their innards. Maybe you don't need your liver anymore and your lungs and mm -hmm. stuff. So that all kind of stuff just kind of falls out. Right. It just falls out after a while and you're just an emaciated walking corpse. Right. Hence zombie. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jaeger from Atlanta, Georgia. Holy crap. Did you hear that? Carol's Aren't You Sweet 
is the new <laughs> look at the flowers. Yeah. <laughs> she told Morgan, aren't you sweet, when he accused her of being more than just a pretty face, I guess. Yeah, actually, I think it was uh, you look like you're uh, ready to take care of stuff. Right. Aren't you sweet? Aren't you sweet? <laughs> exactly. Um, Chris from Fremont, formerly of Mountain House. Zombies on parade. Daryl and Sasha and Abraham leading the massive herd. Holy crap. And the rock quarry full of zombies. Holy crap. Heath from the comic. The actor is perfect and looks exactly like the character in the comic. Holy crap. That's true. So three of them in there. Very good. Katie in the UK. Holy crap. Did you see young Dr. Dre was in this episode of The Walking Dead? I was surprised that he didn't drop a beat and get Glenn and Nicholas to do backup dancing to put the walkers off. Plus, he had great hair. (laughs) So, if you remember, Jason, Corey Hawkins, the guy who plays Heath, was in the movie Straight Outta Compton earlier this year, just a few months ago. And uh, I guess he played young Dr. Dre. I didn't see the movie. I have not seen the movie either. Nope. Um, But thank you, Katie. Tommy in California writes in, This is probably the most minute detail, but did you see the orange balloons on the motorhome? Where did they get the helium or hydrogen for that? I guess they could have made hydrogen from splitting water because they have electricity, dot, dot, dot. Very good point. (laughs) Well, I I don't think it's that much of a stretch to think there could be helium tanks lying around somewhere. Well, I mean, at the quarry, they might have some, a couple of helium tanks for whatever. Like, I have no idea what you need in order to quarry stuff, but I, I assume that it would be a lot better if the rocks were lighter. So you fill up a bunch of helium balloons and make the, the rocks lighter to be able to move them out of the quarry. So I assume <laughs> that the quarry had a lot of helium tanks. I think maybe it's more likely that, you know, there was like a party shop or something in Al- Alexandria and they had a... Yeah, you go to the nearest Michaels and they got uh, they have a whole bunch of helium tanks in there that you can buy for 40 bucks. Yeah, so it might not have been that much of a stretch to find helium. I didn't... Tommy mentions the orange balloon specifically, but there were also red and green. I didn't notice if the red ones were floating up. They were. Were they? Yeah. They weren't just blowing in the wind? Yeah, and I don't know why they needed balloons anyway. Because, you know, the orange balloons were like to show the spot where they spent a couple of days building a big friggin' wall. You yeah. think they would know that spot. And the green balloons were, you know, the end where Rick is going to say, okay, let's all go home now. So, I mean, that could be the spot where Rick decides to let us all go home now. Right. And uh, what were the what was the point of the red balloons? The red balloons were where uh, Sasha and Abraham in the car meet up with Daryl. The bo- oh, they said the bottom of the hill too. So they also had the, you know, the bottom of the hill to go by. They didn't really need those balloons either. You think it would have been easier to find a friggin' spray, a can of spray paint that they could just paint on the road? That's the red line. Yeah, sh- meet at this that's line. That's the green line. <laughs> okay, I'm going to make this mark here. This mark right here is where that big friggin' wall we spent a week building is. But look for that green or that orange mark. Well, you know. Spray, yeah, can of spray paint would have worked a whole lot better. I think it probably would have. And then they wouldn't have had to raid the local party shop for helium tanks. Right. Uh, Noop J in Dallas, Texas says, My holy crap moment was how AMC messes with our heads. All the creative editing in the teaser trailers to make it seem as if Rick and Morgan are foes, when in fact they seem to be allies, albeit cautious ones. Right. And that's very, very true. Uh, I feel like Rick and Morgan are just buddies again, and we're probably not going to hear much about their constant struggle to reacquaint with each other. 
I disagree. I think that uh, we will that struggle will come up again. All right. Well, we'll find out next week. James in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Holy crap, Walker School. Is it just me, or did the makeup and acting of the Walkers seem a little weak in this episode? Some of the gore effects look downright comical. I hope this is not a trend that continues through the season. I did notice some of the Walkers just seemed to be walking. Well, like they were just kind of strolling along. Every once in a while, there'd be a hitch in a step. But they, uh, for being for zombies that all ended up falling down a cliff to get where they were, and being there for a very long time, mm-hmm. they were quite ambulatory. Yes, I can see that. And you know, if you do, like, I think all the up close zombies we got looked fine. I don't know if that's if James is referring to those, but like, we did get some up close shots in the crowd and and stuff like that. And I think they all looked okay. But you're right; some of the walking, some of the movements were a little bit too straight out of Walker School, right? <laughs> like, yeah. they haven't had years to hone their technique yet. Um, but I didn't really notice it watching through the first time either, so I was I was okay with these zombies in general. Gemma in Wales writes, Wow, holy crap, that was some herd. I thought last week's herd in fear was big, and I was impressed, but this episode of Walking Dead puts fear to shame. They were like a hive of buzzing bees, and watching them converge towards Alexandria at the end was truly terrifying. It's true. I think this show outdoes Fear the Walking Dead in pretty much every way, at least when it comes to giant zombie herds. (laughs) Every single way when it comes to this one specific thing. You know, 80% of the time it works every time. That's right. (laughs) Or whatever that was. Yeah, it was 60%. 60% of the time it works every time. Every time. I don't know how that applies here, but it's funny. Uh, what's next? Uh, Michael in London. Hi guys. My holy crap moment was the fact that Daryl didn't even mind in the slightest that those thousands of zombies were right behind him, regardless of how slow he was going or they were walking. If it was me, there wouldn't just be skids on the road. Uh, I'm telling you that. So, yeah. Oh, I see. (laughs) Very clever. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so... That's a lot of zombies, and Daryl didn't seem to mind just riding in front of them at, you know, a snail's pace. Well, no, but that's because he spent some time working on his motorbike to make sure it wouldn't break down, you know, because the last thing you want is, uh, you know, you're riding along at uh, three kilometers an hour. Yeah. And uh, your bike breaks down, you're like, damn it, now I got to push the damn thing for the rest of the 20 miles. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to leave it here and run. I'm going to push it. But that's yeah. why Sasha and Abraham were there in the car. It's a backup vehicle. So if, if I guess if the bike breaks down, he can jump in the car and they can continue. Uh, if the car breaks down, it's not as easy for them to get on the motorcycle, but yeah, they could pile on. I suppose if they really had to, yeah. She, somebody she could on go the somebody handlebars. else's shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> handlebars. There's all kinds of spots. <laughs> of course. And they'd have time to set all that up, right? Yeah. Okay. Why not? They practice. Practice, exactly. Practice your clown motorcycle riding, everyone, so in case, in case this oh, goes wrong. Just in case, yeah. Yeah. All right, finally, Jack in not-so-rainy England. Uh, my holy crap, did you see that, is the name on the bottle Abraham is drinking from at the start of the episode. I may be wrong, but I thought I made out Danville Bridge. I think Danville Bridge Whiskey was the name of what he was drinking. Jack goes on, this is a real railroad bridge in Indiana that is supposedly haunted. 
Legend has it that an Irish worker fell into a vat of concrete and was subsequently trapped. There's also a tale of a mother who was carrying her child, jumping to her death, avoiding an oncoming train. You know, your typical uplifting stories. <laughs> Which is sort of interesting. I went and looked, and it sure does look like it says Danville Bridge. His his hand is obscuring, I think, part of the beginning of the word, the first word, but it's could be just an interesting reference to a real, real live haunted bridge. Neat. Yeah, it is neat. Um, you can have haunted houses, haunted villas and haunted bridges i think you can have haunted anything you can have a haunted apple orchard if you really wanted i suppose i suppose but all right i in this case it's a bridge i don't know i thought it was neat Rewatched watched uh, poltergeist over the weekend what a great movie the original the original right because you were telling me recently that you watched some remake of it right i started trying to watch the remake but i couldn't do it, it was I just I couldn't do it. I was like, yeah, this is crap, and I turned it off. I gotta turn but, this off. But then my wife and I watched the original over this weekend. It was such a, such a great movie, and it made it all better. Yeah. All right, that is it for uh, holy crap. So thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And I'm really excited and happy to have the main Walking Dead back. Not that I didn't like Fear, but it's just a different experience, you know. Well, this is why we do this, right? Because this is such a good show, and it's. Uh, this is this is the the meat and potatoes of our uh, zombie dinner. This is the meat and potatoes of our online podcast existence. And you're right. It's it's kind of why we do this. This is why we started it. This is the the show that you know started it all all those years ago. So um, yeah, it's it was really fun, and I was really happy to see this on the air. Uh, next week, of course, we have episode number two uh, for season six. But before that. We will be back on Wednesday night to record our feedback from you guys on this episode, so make sure you keep sending that in. If you want to do that, you can send us email at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can also go to the website, which is talkingdeadpodcast.com, and click on send voicemail to record a message to send to us, which we love. And you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead or on Twitter at talkingdead. Those are all the ways to get in touch with us, and uh, that's going to do it. So, great episode. Good to have the show back. And uh, remember to use our Amazon links if you don't mind, and visit us on Patreon. And we'll see you again on Wednesday. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. I'm wearing glasses. I have waveform. I'm wearing headphones. I still have waveform. You want to tell me what else you're wearing? Well, you know, regular <laughs> shit. I got shirt and shorts, underwear. Oh, good. Uh, actually, and that's it. Oh, wait, a ring. I got a ring. Socks? No socks. Socks are for chumps. <laughs> really? I, I can't stand wearing socks. I don't wear socks unless I absolutely have to. Huh.